let's start with some testimonies. We want to have a time to give testimony what it came out of the prayer this this today or what God's done for us in this recent months, weeks. So who would like to start? Julian, yeah, come on up, Julian. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, the past three weeks I've been in the hospital and I just got released on Friday. And so I'm gonna tell the story. I'm gonna to try to keep it quick, but basically I have an autoimmune disease and it, it attacks the, the colon and the small intestine or intestines overall. And I got food poisoning in October and it revamped the autoimmunity for the first time in four years. The, uh, the flare was pretty mild and in December I was actually making progress but where everything went south, I had some Chinese herbs trying to calm the autoimmunity a little more. And well, that took it from a mild flare all the way to needing immediate hospitalization. So went to the hospital and they've only seen people three to four times a year with the condition I have. And so their solution was lots of pain meds uh, corticosteroids and they figured that would work well the pain meds actually make the colon worse it, it thickens the colon and uh, it makes the likelihood for colon removal actually substantially higher so I actually was steroid resistant to the treatment and then they're putting me on the pain meds and the pain meds made it accelerates so much worse where surgeons were coming in and talking to me about the likelihood of colon removal and I was just did not want to have that because I, I don't believe in removing parts from your body to as a symbol of health but that was the direction it was going in and Pastor Peter sent me a Bible verse Psalms 118.8 about taking refuge in the Lord and not in people and when you're at the hospital, that's pretty easy to do. It's not very easy to take refuge in the, a lot of the doctors around there, a lot of the people, but this whole process really showed me how there's so many things, so many variables out of my control, and I'm just gonna fully trust God, take a refuge in God, and that's my security blanket. There's, there was so much bad news coming every single day and they actually discharged me after four days. And well, what happened was the pain meds wore off and all the symptoms came back. So I had to go back to the hospital, got rushed to the hospital and put me on more pain meds. Um, Dilaudid, morphine, high, uh, oxycodone, all of that every two hours. And by day six in the hospital, you know, I've been praying to God every day and asking him for strength and asking him, um, you know, just guidance. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel God like the presence, but I knew it's okay. God sometimes tests us just because we don't feel him in the immediate doesn't mean he's not there. He's always there. And Monday, the day six, I felt the feeling of the Holy Spirit come. That's this feeling where 
it doesn't matter the odds or what it looks like on the outside. Like, I got God on my side. I had this most reassuring feeling that I had God on my side. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'll be home in a couple days. And um, actually, this is right before everything took a turn for the worst. And the symptoms got really bad. The pain was um, really bad. And I realized, though, that the Holy Spirit came to me and was giving me that sense of comfort before things were about to get bad. Because God is always there, and sometimes he tests us to, you know, to stay consistent with our faith. But that's what it was about. And so a couple days later, GI doctor comes in and says, I'm taking you off all the pain meds, cold turkey. So then I'm going to feel everything with the disease and how it has progressed in the past week. I'm going to feel all of that along with the, the uh, withdrawals from these really high intense pain meds. And it was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. It was, it was the most, it just feels like you're your intestines are just gonna burst out of your stomach. Um, and I couldn't eat there either. I, I lost 45 pounds of muscle in three weeks. <laughs> but uh, that pain for, went on for three days. And, it, was, and it, it, was, it changed me forever. It was one of the most enduring experiences of my life. And so they transferred me to USC Keck Medical Center because I wasn't responding to their treatment. And, one of the last options was to take this infusion, which is, it's a very high risk drug. Um, it started out as chemotherapy, but it was either that or lose your colon. And so I, uh, I came across a scripture, the scripture, Mark 16, 18, about drinking the poison and it won't affect your body. And I, I prayed to God that this, inf this infusion is gonna go in me. I, I looks like there's no other answer, but just as believers, they can drink deadly poison and their body won't be affected. I prayed that over and over and over and um, no reaction to it so far. And it's something I'll have to take. I'm hoping for a year, maybe less, but um, there's, it's very high risk, but I, so far, so good, no side effects, not even during the infusion, which almost most people have side effects during the infusion. So that was the case right there. Um, but yeah, so multiple surgeons, six or seven surgeons coming in like every, every couple hours and just talking, trying to soften my resistance to colon removal. And I'm just like, look, I'm not even going to entertain the, the process of that at this point. I wanna look at the therapies. And so at USC Keck Medical Center, they were a lot more understanding. At uh, Ventura Community Memorial, there was, uh, the, the past eight years I've had with this disease, seven out of eight, I've been symptom-free, medication-free. And um, working with naturopathic doctors, adjusting diet to pretty extreme measures. And at Community Memorial, they would not listen to a word about anything, even diet, to, to progress an, an intestinal disease. It, it blew my mind. They, when I told them I was symptom-free, they looked at me like I, like I said I healed from crystals or something. And I'm like, no, I'm working with doctors with real research, just not drugs that numb me all the time. But um, that was a, 
yeah, it was a lot better <clears throat> once I went to USC. Um, going on the infusion was a, a big, big risk, but uh, there's lots of cancers attached to it. But this process really taught me all about trusting God because there were so many things I, I can't do. They had so much medication pumping me full of so many different medications, and I'm just asking God, spare me from the side effects, spare me from the poison, just like in Mark 16, 18. And so, yeah, and I, I want to say that the, the most painful, those three days, as you think you'd not want to remember those, your most painful moment, but it's like, I, I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to forget the, the just absolute torturous pain because when, when God gives you these trials and he gives you the strength to overcome them, don't ever forget them. Because if a lot of people overcome things, but then they, they forget where they came from. Then they, they get prideful. They forget the struggle. They forget how, how much it hurt, how much discipline it took, how much fortitude just to get through it. And so I'm just like, I don't ever want, I want that pain to be in the forefront of my mind. If I ever think I'm going through something challenging, something tough, if I could just have that at instant recall in the immediate, it's, it's a blessing when you have the hardest, hardest, most painful moment of your life. So that's one thing I learned from that. But it's, uh, I, I'm so grateful for all the prayer from everyone. I've, I've never asked for prayer in my life. I've had flare-ups. I've had this disease since I was 17, but this was, I'm 31, and this is the first time I asked for prayer, and I think it made a really, really big difference. Um, the, all the doctors thought it was probable in life in 10, 17 days. Um, I don't even recognize myself 45 pounds lighter, um, but it's, uh, it'll take some time to rebuild and to, to fully restore, which is possibility, to fully restore the gut and the microbiome and mm -hmm. I'm working with um, natural ways to heal. And like I said, the infusion, hopefully that's a year or less and then I'm off it and never on it again. But um, I wanted to share that with you and uh, it's just, uh, it was one of the toughest, most challenging moments I've, I've had to go through. And, uh, but yeah, trust God, don't, don't overcomplicate it. Um, and, and use those struggles that you've had because they can, they remind you of those times you, you really were strong. So I, I think that's all I have left to say. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Thank you. Thank right. you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah. The pers the perseverance of Adrian, perseverance of Job. We know the end intended. God is merciful and gracious and compassionate. Good job. Thanks for sharing. sharing. Who's next? I know Peter, yeah. I should just call you next. Next. He will, yeah. You know, first of all, I want to say thank you for the people that have been praying for you. have to switch gears here a little bit but it's good to see 
prayer works. And we yeah. need each other, don't we? Okay. <clears throat> so what I wanted to do is share what we had in our group and today. And that was, um, first of all, uh, the way I start sharing with the group is, I'm sure you guys have maybe heard about the price of eggs going up, 40, 60, in some places 100%. <clears throat> and uh, it's interesting that a lot of these farmers that they've interviewed about it have said that um, the um, reason the price of the eggs has gone up, one of the major factors is the feed. They found out their chickens were not uh, giving eggs. A lot of the chickens would give an egg a day or every couple of days at least, and a week would go by and a lot of the chickens weren't, um, weren't giving any eggs. And so these farmers all one by one that were on these videos were saying, we just changed our feed. It was, it's normally supply, supplied by farina. And so they changed the feed and all of a sudden they said after they changed the feed, these eggs, they, the hens started making up for all the the, the non-eggs that they were giving because they started uh, laying eggs prolifically. And they said it all had to do with feed. And so the Lord started speaking to me about that today in our, in our prayer meeting. That, you know, the Apostle Peter was told by Jesus, feed my sheep. Okay, in around ranchers and farmers, the word feed is not just a verb feed it's also a noun that's what they give the animals they give them feed and it's real important and uh that we have good feed and so i'm so thankful that we've shifted in going in this emphasis that we have of reading through the word of god uh every day yeah. and uh, pastor steve i know it took you time to put that together because you had to draw from various books of the Bible, because we've got five readings each day. And, you know, it, there, there's a scripture that says there's a famine in the land for the hearing of the word of God. Not the, there's now no famine for hearing voices or inspiring stories or maybe even prophecies. But there, it says there's a famine for hearing the word of the Lord. Yeah. And so um, I, want, I came to the scripture and... Uh, I know uh, Brian and, and Pascal and some of the others were, were uh, just taking a hold of the scripture and praying, yes. supplementing it as after I prayed it. And the spirit of the Lord was on, on us as we were praying. So I want to turn that switch on, Pastor Steve, that I'm in the spirit. Yeah, there you go. You're in the spirit. I, can already, I already know. So... <laughs> So it says in, in chapter 23 of Jeremiah, he says, um, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. Okay, there's this, in other words, um, there's something going wrong here where they weren't giving the people the right feed. <laughs> and... I'm so glad that we are studying the scriptures verse by verse, chapter by chapter, because I do believe that's what Peter was doing. 
Do you realize that Jesus quoted the scripture so much while he was teaching and so did all the apostles mm -hmm. and so did Paul. They were giving the people good feed. <laughs> and it says that um, you have scattered my flock, driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries. Now, I believe that's not just applied to Israel here. It's also many believers from all nations God will draw, as he did first with the Jews, and he's doing it with now the Gentiles from all nations, out of all the countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful mm -hmm. and increase. And again, that's something the Lord told me this year. Have faith for fruitfulness. Yes. An increase just like those chickens now with the right feed they are being prolific and the farmers are saying the price of the eggs should go down now I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them feed them good food <laughs> and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed nor shall they be lacking says the Lord there's a lot of people, and I'm glad you're emphasizing logos now, Pastor Steve. The rhema is good, but the rhema is always undergirded by the logos, the word of God, the written word of God. We need that. It's the foundation. And he goes on to say, behold, uh, five, verse 5, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness, a king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Why is that? Now, this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. And we know who we get our righteousness from. Yes, yes, yes. And that's why we always pray in his name because it's on the basis of his righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. And I think that we right now are going to see a shift. God is beginning to raise up new shepherds and he's gonna revive the old shepherds and change their focus to the logos, the word of God. We have many people that have relied so much on rhema words that, oh, the Holy Spirit gave me this, prophecies that they've given that have stacked up, unfulfilled prophecies many times, by the way. Whereas 2 Corinthians 13.1 says, Let every fact be confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Unconfirmed prophecies and dreams and visions that are unconfirmed. But this is something that we can stand and, and have our complete confidences. And that is the logos, the word of God. Yes. That will confirm every dream, every vision, every prophecy. And so I just... I believe that God is bringing us into that. 2023, so many people see it now. This is going to be a breakthrough year. And I believe that the Word of God, the Logos, is going to be reestablished in the church again. 
Not the word that's seeker-friendly so we don't offend anybody. We don't lose anybody that would not want to come back because the word is not seeker-friendly enough. We're not looking for seeker-friendly words. Jesus many times spoke words that were hard sometimes. And the Lord says, whom the, I love, I chasten. No, we don't want to give a word that chastens anybody because that's not seeker-friendly, seeker-sensitive. God is going to bring his word, and it's this word right here, Hebrews 4.12. It's the word that is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides asunder between the soul and the spirit, revealing the very intentions of our hearts. It's going to be a word that brings repentance in us. And because there's repentance in us, it will change the world. It will change the quality of the word that's coming in our congregations. And so I, I just thank God that we are in studying the word of God, letter by letter, <laughs> precept upon precept, not in a legalistic way. No, we're not, we're not doing this. Uh, exercise every day in a legalistic way. It's so that we can come into the Word and realize the presence of God in His Word, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the Spirit of God uniting with the Word of God. The letter of the law kills, but with the Spirit, it gives life. And I believe that this is the word that God's saying, feed them my logos, my Word. And then it's my job with my Spirit then to make that word come alive. And I loose that fire. Let's, let's stand if we could release this right now. I loose the fire of God's word as we begin to read it. Chapter by chapter. That it begins to ignite in us. And as it goes on later in this chapter to say, you know, my word is like a fire. In verse 29, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The hardness of our heart is broken in pieces. And it's a fire that's shut up in our bones so that it's like on the road to Emmaus when they heard Jesus speak to them. They, he, they said, did not our hearts burn within yes, us yes, yes. when he spoke the word of God to us? I released that fire. In every one of our hearts, not just here at Jubilee, as we read the word in our own private homes, wherever we are with the word in the park, in our car, that as we read the word, God, it will be a fire. It will be a hammer that smashes our pride and our hardness of heart. The undisclosed places of our heart will open up and be revealed. I release that word, Father, here. Yes. I release yes. it to the church at large. Yes, I release it to the church throughout the world, wherever they may be on the five continents of the earth. I release that word, the true word, the true feed that will bring like those chickens. Prolific, prolific yes. harvest, yes. prolific fruitfulness and increase in 2023. I release it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. We got time for one more testimony, and then we're going to go. Go ahead, Diana. Um, in the scriptures, I have been in the message translation in all the scriptures that we're reading as a church, which I haven't read in a very, very long time, and the Lord's been really speaking to me through it, and 
I came in during Peter and Pastor Brian's watch, and um, it was really funny because uh, I put my bottle down on my music stand, and I had a communion cup there, and it smashed it, and all my music started getting covered in grape juice, and which is why that song, The Blood of Jesus, came forward today during worship, because I'm like, oh, you're just covering all our worship in the blood, and in your sacrifice, your sanctification really is you. And so he led me in this kind of the same way with the word, Peter. Um, what he led me into was Deuteronomy 6, and Kelly's not gonna bring it up because I'm gonna read it in the message translation. And I'm gonna start at verse four where it says, attention Israel, and I'm going to say Jubilee. Attention Jubilee. God, our God, God, the one and only. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. When God, your God, ushers you into the land he promised through your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, you're going to walk into large, bustling cities you didn't build, well-furnished houses you didn't buy, come upon wells you didn't dig, vineyards and olive orchards you didn't plant. When you take it all in and settle down, pleased and content, make sure you don't forget how you got there. That's yeah. your word. That's you yeah. holding on to that pain, not forgetting how God brought you through that testimony. God brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Deeply respect God, your God. Serve and worship him exclusively. Back up your promises with his name only. Don't fool around with other gods, the gods of your neighbors, because God, your God, who is alive among you, is jealous. Don't provoke him igniting his hot anger that would burn you right off the face of the earth. Don't push God, your God, to the wall as you did the day of the testing place. Carefully keep the commands of God, your God, all the requirements and regulations he gave you. Do what is right. Do what is good in his sight so you'll live a good life and be able to march in mm -hmm. and take this pleasant land that God so solemnly promised through your ancestors, throwing out your enemies left and right, exactly as God said. And what jumped off the page to me was carefully keep the commands of God, your God. All the requirements of them, I might say to Brian, is suffers long and Brian is kind. Brian does not envy. Brian does not parade himself and he's not puffed up. Then I would go and say to his lovely wife, Veda does not behave rudely. Veda does not seek her own, is not provoked. She thinks no evil. And that's a cool thing. I believe that one day we will be all that, but it won't be because we originate it. You know, we're predominant, we're fearful creatures in the flesh, so therefore we will go the opposite of, of love. We'll live in the fear and opposite of, of 
the fruit of love is faith and the fruit of fear is lust and it'll just kind of grow a really different tree. What changed my life, and I believe it's worth us really taking focus on it, I meditated for almost six months every single day and I would attribute these, this love to God. It's like the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Steve. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, this is the love of God. And so I would, and then I would take the time and say, God, you suffer long. And think about that. And think about, yes, of course you're the most long-suffering of all. You, your long-suffering is to salvation. How, many, how much of my life have you put up with? How many times did you not push me and you extended your long spirit to me? And God, you were kind. And your kindness is what's made me great. It's, you're ready to be a help to me. Uh, when you're doing those things, you can come up with, uh, you know, just allowing those words to expand. Because it's not just what love does, it's also what love doesn't do. Love does not envy. You don't envy. And then I would think to myself, that's kind of silly. Of course you're not envying. You don't, you're, you're all sufficient. You have no... You don't need anything that I'm, I won't add anything to you. We're going to read that as um, Elihu, when he says to Job, he says, listen, if you, if you sin, look at the clouds way up there. What do you do to affect those clouds? And if you're righteous, it's affecting you, not, you know, he, this is a much larger picture than we're trying, you're trying to force it into. Love, God, you don't envy, and you don't parade yourself. Have you ever noticed how humble... God is, how love is. Love never says, look at me, 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 me. Or, you know, I got, I got you to, it, you're not puffed up. Why? Because you don't, you're solid. You're, you're, you're full of yourself in substance, your glory. You don't need to make errors. Uh, you don't behave rudely. What a gentle God we serve. What a, and so when I began to give the attributes of love back to God, then I could begin to receive them. I could, I could, it changed my whole image of God because we come into a relationship with some of our baggage from our own upbringings and own traumas and dramas. So when I would begin to say, you don't seek your own. You're not here trying to get your will done and forcing it upon me. You, you're, you're, not, you're bigger than that. You've got a lot of room for me. You're not provoked. Think about that. God is not provoked. Love is not provoked. Love can absorb so much because God can absorb so much. Uh, love thinks no evil. So you, you're not, you think the best of me. You don't, you don't, you, you have a, you're like me, you're like the beloved looking to the Shunammite. She's full of self-awareness and shame. And you're going, oh, your feet are beautiful. I, I'm not going there. I don't have to go there. But because Jesus paid for all that. So it's nothing we can do to make ourselves accepted, and there's nothing we can do to make him reject us. You, love does not rejoice in iniquity. No, you don't rejoice in, in the behavior and the willfulness of man trying to do its own thing and make his own rules. But you rejoice in the truth. God, you rejoice in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. And uh, love bears. You bear all things. You, you carry us. You believe all things. You have more faith in us than we'll ever have faith in ourselves. You hope all things. You're anticipating a glorious outcome at the moment. And you endure all things. You, you can carry us. You can be in that. 
So those are 14 attributes. Seven are what love does. Seven are what love doesn't do. And the more I meditated on that, the more I get, I got a much more whole picture of love, of God, and then of what love would look like when love is reigning in my life. And lastly, the 15th, love never fails. So God's advancing, and he's taking possession of us, and we're yielding, albeit maybe not as as easy or, or as with, with, with the clarity of what it means, what we're doing, but he is coming, and he is love. And I don't know about you, but love is terrifying. His love is terrifying because it goes against all of the self-preservation mechanisms that I would like to keep in place, and I, I start to yield to his love, then his love starts to, to help me walk in that position, and next thing you know, it's starting to be influenced. That's why Jesus said, love as I have loved you. So I'd like us just to break up and talk about whatever this portion of scripture, or if you're carrying a word you want to share, or a prayer you want to share, and let's take about five minutes just to process this, and then just try that tomorrow in prayer. Try giving to God back the attributes of love with praise, and acknowledge that he is, and just let it kind of flow upward and fall back on us and, and influence our, our vision of God. Okay, so let's go up, Frank, get into small groups, and I will take a moment and be with you in the line. Okay, so I love that God is love, and therefore this is who God is. And when I let God be this, then love isn't so kind of like kind of weird demanding uh, it's more like, well, love is always suffering long. You, you suffer long. I mean, really, seriously. I know you do. I know God allows me to go many of my paths that I have to take because he's not trying to prove a point and he's not trying to demand an, a response and he knows how long to let me run and he can do it because he's God and love does that. Uh, and it's kind. I know that whenever you come involved in my life, you come to where I am and you begin to help me with the next step, with what it is to give myself back to you and, and um, know you'll help me there. And your help comes in a way that just, just is a support. I really appreciate that. I know that you're not uh, out there trying to um, envy. You have no need to envy. So the more I can let love just be you or give you the attribute of love it's made the trust more uh, anticipating I don't think of him as an angry God I don't think of him as vindictive I don't think of him as impatient I don't even think of him as keeping a record of my wrongs because that's the whole new covenant is forgiveness he's merciful to unrighteousness and our sin and uh, uh, sin and iniquities he remembers no more. So the love that we're stepping into is first and foremost toward us. And as we receive that love, then we can uh, share that love outwardly. We can have that same heart disposition. Sometimes love is active. Sometimes love is restraining. Sometimes love is getting involved. Sometimes love is withhold, with not, not becoming involved, but is holding a place of bearing with or or, you know, 
holding that posture of I'm, I'm here in love. I'm active in love by not being active in turning things around, taking matters. There's no control in love. I was sharing, you know, forgiveness is that way. When we forgive, we do not forgive on conditions, nor do we forgive when people ask us to forgive. We simply forgive, and we release people. And I've learned so much that when I forgive, I don't ask for someone to, that person I forgave to come back and acknowledge that they had done wrong, because that may never happen, and I may not be able to extend the forgiveness. I just forgive freely, just as God has forgiven me completely. He's forgiven me of things I don't even know I've done. He's forgiven me of things I may never know I did. And he didn't require that I make an account of it all for me to receive the forgiveness. He just makes it a part of, of the extension. I release you. And, I, and it isn't conditional that I don't go and do something. Because when we forgive, we, we send someone off. And we give them permission to go and do what they were doing and do it again. We're not controlling you. I don't love you on conditions. It's unconditional. And this is our Father. And it's the part that will be with us after prophecies have failed, that knowledge is finished, tongues no longer required, maturity has been reached, and we are beginning to know as we are being known, and that love is, 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 is conquered all. And so I, I just want to bless you with, a, first and foremost, an experience with God who is love. And these 15 attributes of who God is, that's why he never fails, because he's always coming to us in love. It, and it is, it, it, it's just as much love with him when he's, no long, he's not rejoicing with us because we're participating in iniquity. He pulls away. He's not, he's not, he, he knows that that's where we are, but he's not going to rejoice with us. He can't fellowship there. But at the same time, he rejoices whenever the truth comes. Even if we're just perceiving truth for the first time, we realize, wow. And then he's going, oh, I can't believe it. That's repentance. You saw something you couldn't see before. You're believing. And so he's just rejoicing. So there is so many parts of love that are all functioning. All 15 are constantly flowing and interfacing us. So I just want to release that. Lord, bless us to receive love to see God and to be loved by God and then to allow the love of God to find expression through us that we are receiving so that it's not just being loved and then going about our own way, but being loved, influenced in love and allowing love to in flow in all of our interactions with one another and family and friends in the body of Jesus. So thank you for this, Father. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right, I just want to release a blessing as you finish your conversations here in the sanctuary. Love you online. God is, God is coming with this powerful love that finds us and presses the fear from us and brings us to that place of surrender to his love and being loved by his love and then being, bringing forth his love to others. So grace grace, grace, and receive. Take the time, pray those 15 attributes, give them praise to God, and then watch them fall upon you in a way you hadn't imagined. And the whole image of God will change 
into the God of love. The God is love. In Jesus' name. Good night.